Hello and welcome to Digital Insights featuring topics from the BoagWorld.com blog. My name is Paul Boag and on this podcast I offer advice on user experience and digital transformation. And today I want to talk to you about defining success and I want to start by asking a few questions. For a start, how do you know your site is succeeding? How do you know if that redesign you did was worth it? How can you justify your work to clients or management? Basically, we need a way of measuring success. And having a way to measure the performance of our website, often known as key performance indicators, is fundamental to its success. For a start, it focuses the work we're doing on projects which create a tangible return on investment. Because let's be honest, too often site improvements are vanity projects rather than alterations aimed at enhancing site efficiency. The focus that comes from having measurable success criteria has another benefit too. It helps resolve disagreements between stakeholders over the best direction to pursue. When everyone has a clear goal, everybody is working towards it together, it helps ensure that we're pulling in a uh, consistent direction. But a way of measuring success provides benefits to us as digital professionals too. It helps us demonstrate the value of the work that we're doing and enables us to show how it benefits the business as a whole. That in turn also encourages further investment in digital, allowing us to be more ambitious in the work that we undertake. The question then becomes, how do we go about defining success? Organisations typically measure success by defining a set of key performance indicators. These are quantifiable measures used to evaluate the progress of your site over time. However, deciding what these metrics should be is not always easy. A good starting point is the overall company strategy. Most organisations have a plan that outlines broad goals that they want to achieve. That might be increasing revenue, decreasing costs or extending market share. Once you have these broad organisational goals, seek to identify ways that a high-performing website could help to achieve them. That might be generating more leads, reducing support queries or increasing the number of shares on social media. Finally, turn these criteria into something that is measurable. For example, generating more leads might be measured by the number of contact forms submitted, while reducing support queries might be a drop in the number of people phoning the company. Of course, no metric is perfect. Some people will email instead of completing the contact form and there's no guarantee that drops, uh, dropping calls is exclusively due to the website. But that's okay. Make your metrics as good as possible, but accept that they're never going to be perfect. It is, however, better to measure something than nothing. However, a word of warning, don't become too obsessed with your metrics as they'll often be less than perfect. They can only ever be an indicator of success. Also, if you settle on the wrong metrics, you can actually damage the site's overall performance. For example, focusing purely on lead generation results in those annoying pop-up overlays that may work, but will hurt long-term customer satisfaction and sales. To avoid these problems, seek to have a mix of metrics that balance one another. Typically, I attempt to have a mix in three different areas to ensure that balance. These are usability, engagement and conversion. So let's explore those in a little bit more depth. Tracking usability is important because it will tie to a considerable range of company goals from customer satisfaction to customer lifetime value. But how can you track usability? Fortunately, there are some metrics you can look at measuring. These include, but are not limited to, 
task success rate, which is the percentage of users who are capable of completing critical tasks on your site. Time to complete task. How long on average does it take a user to complete an essential activity on your site? Error rate. How often do users make mistakes when trying to complete a task? Then there are things like the System Usability Scale, a long-established survey for measuring users' perceptions of usability. And there's also the Task Performance Indicator, a metric that combines multiple criteria to judge the site's overall ease of use. By tracking over time one or more of these metrics, you can start to judge whether improvements to the site are helping its overall usability. Of course, ensuring that a site is usable should be our minimal expectation. In truth, our sites should be so much more than that. They should be delighting and engaging users. And you can measure engagement by tracking things like attention minutes, how long a user is paying attention to content such as video, or first impressions, how users initially react upon seeing the site for the first time. You can also track interactions, how often a user likes, comments or shares content on the site. And then there's Net Promoter Score, a metric for measuring how likely it they would be to recommend the site to somebody else. And then there's Interaction Depth, how many times the user clicks when navigating through a site. Tracking engagement often aligns with organizational goals around things like increasing brand awareness, expanding market share, or other marketing-orientated metrics. However, be careful not to focus on elements such as visits, because they're often a factor that is influenced by things beyond the website itself, and so isn't a particularly good figure to track the website on. Finally, the most obvious metric to track is conversion rates. Ultimately, the majority of websites exist to persuade users to take some form of action. And these actions often create a tangible financial benefit to the company. If the website belongs to a retailer or service provider, this is typically relatively easy to track. E-commerce sites will track sales, while service companies will track leads generated. However, things are not always that straightforward. For example, tracking the number of leads generated is not necessarily the best metric if they're not particularly qualified leads. Also, it can sometimes be hard to identify whether they've come from the website rather than via other means. It is these kinds of situations that make us likely to give up on tracking metrics. However, as I said earlier, it's better to monitor something even if it's not 100% accurate. Also, with a little imagination, it's possible to track more than you think. Finally, where possible, it's also good to associate financial values with these conversion rates. For example, if the business knows that approximately 1 in 10 of the leads generated on the website turns into a paid project and that the average project is worth a particular figure, then it's possible to work out how much each lead is worth to the business. This kind of calculation is worth doing as it helps justify further investment in the site. As you can see, key performance indicators are an essential factor for measuring whether investment in a website is generating returns to the business. However, although you can always be seeking to improve these metrics, you need to avoid setting targets around them um, in, for example, how much you might want to increase them within a specific time frame. 
Although beneficial, key performance indicators can be dangerous. And that's especially true when the management team starts setting targets relating to those metrics. For example, it's not uncommon for a management team to look at the performance from the previous year and expect continued or even greater growth going forward. At face value, that seems reasonable, but in reality, it's often unrealistic. Typically, when you first start tracking a key performance indicator, there are some obvious and easy fixes that will improve that metric. However, over time, as the web team fixes more and more of these things, it becomes harder to move the needle. That will make it unrealistic to see the same or higher year-on-year improvements. It's sometimes possible to maintain that level of growth, but only if management matches it with increased investment, allowing the creation of new functionality or carrying out more in-depth analysis. That means the level of return um, for each of the improvements in the metric decreases over time, and that can actually lead to a negative benefit to the business as a whole. As increases in returns fall, it often leads to a blame game where different groups within the business pass responsibility for the failing around. For example, the web team blames marketing for not driving quality traffic, while the marketing team blames the web team for poor conversion. Instead, we need to view key performance indicators as a guide, a guide to where we should be investing in our sites and whether our efforts are succeeding. It should be an indicator of success, not an unrealistic target to aspire to.